Thanks for listening. The following is an audio presentation from High Country Christian Church. For more information, please visit www.highcountrychristian.com. For, uh, for the last several weeks before going to New York, I had been asking God, what did he want me to speak at the, at the conference up in New York? I said, Lord, what do you, what do you want me to say? Because I, I, I knew that I wanted to hear from God. I didn't just want to go up there and preach a canned sermon. Because, you know, you can get away with that on the road. Because they don't, they don't hear you all the time. If I get up here on Sunday and preach the same thing I preached last Sunday, y'all know it. You'd be like, well, get, Josh wasn't in the Bible this week. You know, he didn't prepare very much. No, you, you can get away with that on the road. You can't get away with that at home. But I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to preach a canned sermon. I wanted to hear from heaven. I mean, you know, things happen in the lives of the people you minister to when you hear from God on their behalf. Amen? When you get, Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. I wanted to know, Lord, what's daily bread? What's the daily bread for this meeting? And so it took me a couple of weeks, and I started getting super frustrated. Uh, matter of fact, the, the week uh, of Easter, that following week after Easter, we went down, my family went down to the beach for, for a few days, and, and I hear I'm thinking, oh, this is great. I'm going to go sit by the beach, I'm going to read my Bible, drink my coffee, and I'm going to hear from heaven about this meeting in New York. I'm going to know what to preach, praise God. And I went to the beach, and I got my Bible, and I sat by the water, and I drank my coffee, and God talked to me about all kinds of stuff except what I was supposed to preach at this meeting in New York. I, I mean, it was, it was glorious. I was sitting there. I got questions answered. I'm like, God, you're, he was talking to me about vision for the church. He was speaking to me about all these different things about here, but nothing about what I was going to preach in Niagara Falls. And I'm going, Lord, what do you want me to share with your people there? And so uh, about the last week before I flew up there, uh, out on 421, if any of you live out towards Deep Gap and Fleetwood in that area where we live, you notice that for about a week, there was this, this thing next to the Dollar General, and it looked like this. Oh, yeah. Did you all see that f- pillar of fire? <laughs> so I found out that, you see where those fences are in the bottom right-hand corner of the picture? That, that area is a, is a terminal for natural gas. And so this is an area where all the natural gas pipes in this part of the county come together. And so they were doing maintenance on the, on the pipes. And for a week, they were burning off excess natural gas. So from like 7 o'clock in the morning till 7 o'clock at night or thereabout, there was this 20-foot flame in the sky. And it was really interesting because I, I take the girls to school most mornings. I like to get up and do that. And we'd see it like almost every day on the way into, into school. And you could feel the heat as you're driving past it. You could hear it. You could, see, you could see the disturbance that it was creating in the atmosphere. Trees were like blowing. It was really wild looking. And every time we would drive by this thing, here I am getting ready for my day, praying while I'm driving the girls. And they're chit-chatting and doing their, their thing. And I'm talking to the Lord. Lord, what do you want me to preach in, in New York? What do you want me to say? What do you want me to say? And then I'd see this thing. This was about two and a half miles from my house. We'd drive past it. And as the first time I drove past it, guys, I kid you not, my heart started getting excited. You, you, remember, you remember in the book of Luke where the Bible talks about Jesus' mother Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist. And when they come into the same room, Elizabeth said, my baby leapt within my womb. 
That's how my spirit man felt every time we passed this stinking thing. Every time. And so this was happening for like four or five days in a row. And I'm progressively getting more and more frustrated about what I'm going to preach in New York. And I'm driving. It happened last Tuesday. And, or the Tuesday before, excuse me. And I'm driving, taking the kids to school, and I'm going, Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you that you're going to give me the right message that you want me to preach. Remember, because we have whatever we say. So, Lord, I just believe in Jesus' name. Oh, look at that. Man, that's glorious. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. You're going to tell me what you want me to preach. And then finally, I got it. It dinged. And I thought, oh, Lord, you've been drawing my attention to this thing for like a week, and I've been missing it. What do you want me to preach on that has something to do with that pillar of fire there? And as soon as I did that, as soon as I said that, the Holy Spirit asked me a question. He asked me this question. What does fire do? What does fire do? And I don't know about you, but this happens to me a lot. That when the Holy Spirit asks me a question like that, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. It's not because he's looking for information. When he asks me a question like that, it's usually to get my mind and my heart in a posture to receive the answer. Has that ever happened to you? God asks you a rhetorical question only to turn around five seconds later and answer it for you. And he doesn't just give you information. He gives you revelation. Amen. You can say amen. He gives you revelation, not just information. Did you know that when Adam fell in the garden, he fell from the place of revelation to the place of education and information? That's the highest pursuit man can have without God is to just be full of information and very educated. But that doesn't get you into the realm called revelation, which is where God gives you wisdom and insight. I'd rather have two seconds of revelation than 20 years of education. I'm not knocking education. I love to be educated. I love to learn. Just ask my wife. All I do is watch documentaries. It's like my favorite thing to do on Netflix is watch documentaries. I find them incredibly entertaining, and I get to learn something. But that nothing, nothing, nothing is like revelation from God. When God reveals his will and his purpose and his plan and his word to you, it will change your life. That's why we say this all the time. One word from God will change your life. You can be battling uphill with a situation for years, for decades, and come into a place where you hear from God, and God can, can end that struggle in a second with one word. Amen. That's why we ought to posture ourselves and position ourselves to receive and to hear from him. Amen. That's why you need to go to church. Amen. Oh, don't shout me down because I'm preaching good now. Amen. <laughs> That's why we need to be with, with other believers in church. We need to be hearing the word so that God by his spirit can speak to our hearts. Amen. So he asks me this question. What does fire do? And right in that moment, he, he, he gave me three, or excuse me, four things, four answers to that question. Boom, 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 boom. And it was so funny because here I'd been for weeks struggling to find a, you know, a context to preach, struggling to find a word to give. And, and God, in literally, inside of five seconds, gave me the whole sermon, the whole thing, the whole analogy. Boom, just like that. I pulled over, I took that picture, and we were ready off to the races. Amen. 
God's cool like that, man. He'll give you everything you need to know in a snap second like that. And then he'll take the next 10 years to unpack it in your heart. That's the way the word works. It's a seed. Jesus said the sower sows the word. And the word of God will come. And you'll get it. You'll see it. All it you'll see the seed come. And it'll come and it'll land in your heart. And you'll go, oh man, that's good. That's amazing. And then it'll take the next five years to grow and produce. It's awesome. It's so cool. So the Lord gave me this message all in one snap. What does fire do? Now immediately two scripture verses came up in my heart. Immediately. The first one is Luke chapter 3. So let's go look at Luke chapter 3. What does fire do? Kids are pumped about it. Praise God. Luke chapter 3. We're going to begin reading in verse 15. Let me tell you a little bit about what's happening here. Jesus is, or or excuse me, um, John the Baptist is in the wilderness. He's in the desert baptizing people in the River Jordan. He has his ministry, and his ministry was all about preparing the way for Jesus. And so this is the context that we see this scripture in. Luke chapter 3, verse 15. They're out in the wilderness and people are asking John, are you the Christ? They wanted to know, John the Baptist, are you the one that we're supposed to be looking for? Are you the Christ? John answers them. Let's look at verse 15. Now, as the people were in expectation, everybody say expectation. All reasoned in their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ or not. And John answered, saying to all. I love that. Before we read any farther, can I give you a little nugget? I love that they were thinking in their hearts and John answered them. You know the Bible says when the spirit of truth has come, he'll show you things to come. Jeremiah 33, 33 says, call out unto me and I will show you great and mighty things that you know not of. The Holy Spirit will give you wisdom and insight into things that you could not receive with your own, uh, with your own intellect. How many of you know you could be having a thought right now, and I don't know what it is, but the Holy Spirit can reveal things. I think that's so cool about this. They're having thoughts in their head. Is John the Christ? And all of a sudden, he answers the question. Isn't that awesome? How many of you know the Holy Spirit's super cool? Amen. He's awesome. He's amazing. He'll show you things. So he says, verse 16, this is his answer. John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. Watch this phrase. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now whether you know it or not, John the Baptist was prophesying right here about something that was going to come in the future. He was prophesying about an event that was going to happen that would signal the birth of the church. He said, there's one coming. Now, who who was he talking about there? Jesus, right? He said, there's one coming after me. He's better than me. I'm I'm not even worthy to tie his shoes But when he comes, see, I'm baptizing you in water. 
when he comes, he's going to baptize you in something far more greater. He's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and in fire. So he was prophesying about this moment in time. Now we find this moment in Acts chapter 2. This was the other scripture that came into my heart in that moment while I was driving. So turn to Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Verses 1 through 4. Verse 1 says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. And suddenly, everybody say suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Wow. What an amazing experience this must have been. What an amazing moment in human history this must have been. Because for the very first time in all of human history since Adam, the Holy Spirit was able to come into this world and clothe people with, him, with himself. Wow. You remember when Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden? Do you remember that? Do you remember the Bible says what they were clothed in? The glory of God. Right? They didn't have clothes like we do. Right? They had the glory. And that was their clothing. That's what they were covered in. And then when they sinned, the glory of God, the Spirit of God, departed from them. And it was thousands of years from that moment until this moment in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit comes once again into the earth and He comes with might and with power. I love, I love the language here. It says that there came from heaven the sound as of a rushing mighty wind. How many of you know that when the Spirit of God comes into a situation, when He shows up in your life, He comes as a rushing force. He comes on purpose. He comes ready to work in your life, ready to work on your behalf. When he manifests in his goodness, he comes with might, a rushing, mighty wind. You know when the Holy Spirit shows up, do you know what he brings? He brings the might of God, the strength of Almighty God. So that when you're at the end of your rope and you don't know how you're going to figure out this thing and you can't get any farther than you're at right now, I'm preaching in here, somebody. When you get to the where you don't know how to answer the, the question, the Holy Spirit comes with the might of God and moves you through that situation and causes you to come into triumph. That's what 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and verse 14 says. It says, thanks be unto God who always leads us in triumph. When the Holy Spirit showed up that day in the book of Acts, for the very first time since Adam, he'd never been able to do what he was about to do. No wonder he came in as a rushing mighty wind. You know God gets excited. Do you know God gets excited about stuff? Do you know God has emotions? The Bible says he who sits on the throne in heaven laughs. God's happy. And he's pumped. 
when his people yield over to him. He gets excited when you and I yield ourselves and say, Lord, what do you want to do in my life? And what does he do? He shows up like a rushing mighty wind. He comes with purpose and he brings the strength and the power of God. Amen. Suddenly there came from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, a sound, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now watch verse 3. This is interesting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. I like what the old King James says, cloven tongues as of fire. I don't know why, I just think that word is funny. There appeared to them cloven or divided tongues as of fire. One sat upon each of them, and they're all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Can you imagine what this was, must have looked like? I got a real good picture of what it looked like when I drove past that big green smokestack with a 20-foot flame of fire coming out of it. You see, I don't know about you, but I've seen, I've seen artist depictions of this scene painted. There's a picture that I'm thinking of. I believe it's Raphael. It was a, it was a late Renaissance artist that, that painted this scene from Acts chapter 2. And it's kind of funny because he paints this scene and, and you can see all the disciples in the upper room there and you can see the Mary, the mother of Jesus, right in the middle. And they're all in like an action pose. And they're all, they all look terrified. And in the top center of the picture is this small, tiny dove. Like, and that's supposed to be the Holy Spirit, you know. And, and there's little lines coming from the dove. Some of you may have seen this painting before. Little lines coming from the dove. It's, it's a marvelous work of art. And, and, and the lines are connecting. They're, they're going from the dove to each one of these little people in the picture. And on top of these people is a little Zippo lighter flame, you know, a little Bic lighter above their head. And as beautiful and as awesome of a work of art as this is, I don't think that's what it looked like. Because I don't think the Holy Spirit was a meek and mild tiny bird and I don't think everybody had this nice, sanitized, sterilized little bit of fire that sat on top of their head. I believe that what Luke was looking at when he wrote the book of Acts was all of a sudden they're packed into this upper room, 120 people. Because Jesus had told them, don't depart, stay in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father which was the Holy Spirit, this experience that they were getting ready to have. Jesus said, stay in Jerusalem until you get this promise from the Father. God's made a lot of promises throughout the book. From Genesis to Revelation, he's made tons of promises. Did you know this is the only one that Jesus specifically said is the promise of the Father? It's amazing. Go look through Scripture. You won't find that language anywhere else. I mean, there's tons of great promises, and they all belong to us. First Corinthians, uh, or 2 Corinthians tells us all the promises of God are in Christ. Yes and amen. Every promise God ever made to you belongs to you because of Jesus. That's good. You can shout. You can say amen to that. That's good news. That's the gospel. Every promise God ever made to you is available to you and you can have it because of Jesus. But this promise was special. This was the one that Jesus said it's the promise of the Father. Why was this such a special thing? Because this promise, this Holy Spirit, this baptism in the Holy Spirit and baptism in fire was the promise that would make people look like Jesus. 
This was the promise that would make you and I go from an ordinary human being to somebody filled with God who looks like Jesus. This was the promise that was going to make a bunch of ordinary 120 Jews hanging out in this upper room and, and flip the world upside down through their life and ministry. This was the promise. Verse 3 says, There appeared to them divided tongues as a fire. I think what it looked like. Have you ever, have you ever, anybody got a gas grill? Anybody? Yeah. Have you ever lit your gas grill and, and you see that little tube where the, where the gas comes out? It's got all the little holes in it and the gas comes out like this. And it makes this little licking tongue, this little flame of fire. How about this? Have you ever built a fire? A campfire or a bonfire and watch the fire come and lick around the log. That's what I believe this looked like, except it didn't happen to a thing. It happened to every single person. I don't believe it was a Zippo lighter on the top of the head. I believe their entire bodies were consumed with fire. Because it was a, re it was a visual representation of what was happening in the spirit realm. God was being poured out. The spirit of God was coming and invading earth and bringing with him the power of God and the might of God and totally filling and consuming those people. And Luke got a glimpse of it. And he saw this fire covering each person. Now, this is what theologians would call... Uh, apocalyptic or supernatural language. We need to remember that when we see something like that, what we're seeing in the Bible is a person doing their best to try to explain what they're seeing. Like John, do you ever go read the book of Revelation? It's full of apocalyptic language. John gets taken into this vision and he's doing his best to write down all the things that he's seeing. Well, I saw coming out of the water a beast with seven heads and ten horns. And one of the heads looked like a lion, one of the heads looked like a leopard, and this thing had a tail and all these things. And it was nations, but it was a beast. But it was, you know what I'm saying? He's trying to do his very best to describe in natural words something supernatural that he's seeing. And that's what Luke was doing in this very passage. I believe each person looked as though they were totally consumed by fire. Because when the Holy Ghost comes in your life, you look different. Amen? When the Spirit of God comes and fills you and baptizes you in His presence, you start looking different. Your life has a fire about it that it didn't have before. Amen? How many of you know we're the body of Christ? We're supposed to look different. We're supposed to talk different. We're supposed to think different. We're supposed to have something different to offer to people. Amen? Uh, we're, we're building a church here, not a social club. Amen? I didn't come here to pray, play bridge, okay, and poker and, and bingo. Amen? If I want a social experience, I'll play golf on Sunday mornings. Amen? We're not here for that. We're here because God wants to baptize us in the Holy Spirit and put some fire down on the inside of us so that we can change this world around us. Amen? So the Holy Spirit asked me, what does fire do? These two scriptures came to my mind and I thought immediately of four different things. Boom, 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 boom. He gave them to me right in order. I want to take about the next 10 minutes and just share these with you, okay? Number one, what does fire do? What does the Holy Spirit do in your life when he brings fire? 
These four things. Number one thing that fire does, fire consumes. You can look at Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 24, and you can look at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 29. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to write all this down so that you can go look at it. If I go to these scriptures, we'll be here till 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And I don't know about you, but I want to eat before then. So um, we're, we're just going to write these down. But Deuteronomy chapter 4 and uh, verse 24 and then Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29, they both say the same thing. It says that our God is a consuming fire. Amen. He's a consuming fire. What does fire do? It consumes. Anybody that's ever, you know, built a fire in their fireplace or lit a fire in the, you know, out in while you were camping, you know that fire consumes whatever you put in it. It doesn't know when to stop. Right? It just goes until whatever fuel you put in it is gone. It totally consumes everything that it comes in contact with. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life, whatever room you make for him, whatever part of you that you give to him, he will fill it with himself. He will consume everything. If you give him half your life, he'll consume half your life. If you give him three quarters of who you are, he'll consume three quarters of who you are. If you give him every part of you, all of me, Lord, guess what he'll consume? All of it. Amen. That's just who he is. He's a consuming fire. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life and begins to transform you, if you let him, he'll take that transformation from head to toe. Amen. A lot of us are looking for victory in certain areas of our life, but we don't find it because we don't want to give God that area. We hold that log back from the fire. We say, well, well, here, I give you my relationships and I'll give you my job and I'll, I'll give you my marriage. I'll give you this. I'll give you these other areas. But this one here, I'm going to hold back because I really like the way this log looks. This one's precious to me, Lord. Don't ask me for this. Don't ask me for this part of my life. But see, what we don't realize is that if we would give him every part of our life, every part of our life that we give him would improve and increase. God's a God of increase. Everything you give him is going to increase. Amen. That's why we were talking about, when I was talking about the offering, about clearing out the clutter. See, God can't bless mess. Think about it. God can't put his stamp of approval on chaos because if he does, the chaos will increase. Right? Think about it. Whatever he touches grows. Whatever he blesses multiplies. So we, we've got to give him our entire life so that our entire life can multiply, so that our, every part of us can grow. Don't hold back anything from God. Amen. Don't say, Lord, you can have my relationships and you can have this, that, and the other, but you can't have my job or you can't have my thought life or you can't have my marriage. No, it's better in his hands. Give him the whole thing. Can you say amen? Give it all to him. He's a consuming fire. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 4 that he's a jealous God. Right before it says he's a consuming fire, it says he's a jealous God. Now, I would hear that scripture when I was a kid, and I would think, something wrong with that. I, my parents told me not to be jealous. Why, why does it say God's jealous? He's jealous with a holy and pure jealousy. He, that, what that means is that he doesn't want to share you with anybody. Amen. How many, how many people that are, that are married would say, you know, I don't want my spouse to be shared with anybody. 
Well, how, how many of you think if you think that way, God most certainly thinks about it, you that way? I love this quote from my favorite Bible teacher, a man named Rick Renner. And he says, both God and the devil are territorial. They both want more. Both God and the devil are territorial. They both want more. So number one, what does fire do? Fire consumes. Number two, fire purges. Purges. First Corinthians chapter three talks about this. Again, we don't have time for, uh, to go there, but you can go back and look at these later. First Corinthians chapter three talks about different materials. It talks about gold and silver and precious stones, and it talks about wood and hay and stubble. Y'all have heard that before, wood, hay, and stubble. It makes a distinction in 1 Corinthians 3 about the things that fire purifies and purges. You know, not everything can withstand fire. Wood, when it gets really dry, burns. But silver or gold, when it gets really hot and it gets exposed to fire, it doesn't burn. It gets better. It gets purer. You remember the story of the man who went to see the silversmith. The silversmith was a very gifted silversmith. He was the best in all the country at making beautiful, ornate silver things like spoons and goblets and bracelets and jewelry and all this kind of stuff. And the gentleman goes to his workshop to see, how do you do what you do, man? How do you make this silver so beautiful? And he watched the silversmith take this crude silver that was right out of the ground and he, he put it into a vessel and he began to heat it and he began to put it in fire. And all the impurities in the silver began to rise to the top so that the silversmith could scoop them off and clean this silver of all the impurities in it. And, and the man watched in amazement and he said, Mr. Silversmith, he was Jewish, apparently. Mr. You didn't get that joke? Okay, anyways, never mind. He said, maybe it just wasn't funny, I don't know. He said, Mr. Silversmith, he said, how do you know that the silver's done? How do you know that it's pure? And he said, oh, that's so easy. I know when it's finished, when I can see my reflection in it. I know it's pure when I see myself in it. The fire of God will come and it will purify and burn out of us every part of our thinking that doesn't line up with who Jesus is. Every part of our life that doesn't line up with what the Word says. The fire of God will come and it will purify and cleanse us of all unrighteousness, the Bible says. You see what was happening to these people in the book of Acts when they got clothed in fire? When the fire of God came, what was happening? They were getting consumed. They were getting purged. Number three, number three thing that fire does, I guess the kids are going outside. It is a beautiful day after all. <laughs> number, three things that, number three thing that fire does, fire warms it warms. It comforts. 
How many of you have ever been outside sledding or playing and building snowmen or doing something outside when it's cold and snowy and your toes are just about to freeze off and it's time to go inside and get some hot chocolate and you go in and you walk into a room that's got a roaring fire in the fireplace? How many of you grew up with a wood stove and you walk in and feel the warmth of that wood stove? What is that? That's comfort. That's warmth in the cold. Yeah, the fire of God comes and it consumes. It takes all of us. And yeah, it purges us. It it cleans out all the junk that doesn't need to be there that's not glorifying to God. But what does it do, number three? What's the third thing that it does? It comforts. It warms. Your life ought to be so full of the Holy Spirit. Please listen to this. Your life ought to be so full of the Holy Spirit. You ought to be so full of the fire of God that when sinners get around you, when people get around you who need to be comforted, just being in your presence warms them. Just being around you, you just radiate the love of God. You see, we lose track of this sometimes. We forget somebody comes through the door that doesn't look like we look and doesn't sound like we sound. And they they might have some issues and some problems that we don't have in our life. And so we just think we're better than them. and, And all of a sudden we turn the love of God off and they don't feel warm, they feel cold. They, get it, they come in contact with us and, 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 and instead of encountering a nice warm fire on a cold day, they just, you know, they just get a cold metal heart. They just get a cold piece of steel. How many of you know that's not our testimony? That's not supposed to be what we're supposed to be like. We're supposed to have the fire of God radiating the comfort of God to those who are hurting. The Bible speaks of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 16, he said, I'll pray the Father and he'll send to you another comforter. Another comforter. The Holy Spirit is in our life to provide comfort for us and for the world around us. Man, I want to be be so full of God that when you get around me, you just get warm and fuzzy. Amen. I do, man. I want when you get around me, that's one of my goals in life, to just be the most kind, compassionate, full of patience, full of joy, full of peace, so that when somebody who needs God gets close to me, they find him. They get comforted and warmed by the presence of the Lord. Amen. Not only will the Holy Spirit purge you, he'll comfort you too. As fire consumes Fire purges, fire warms. Finally, number four, this is my favorite. Fire spreads. Amen. Fire spreads, man. It spreads. You know, the Bible says in Acts chapter one and verse eight, we won't turn there, but but it says, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you'll receive power. And you'll be, well, let's just look at it. Can we do this? I I want you to see it. I'd rather see it than quote it. He says, you'll be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. There it is. But But you shall receive power. Look up on the screen. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me. Watch this. In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Isn't that interesting? If you know anything about the map in Bible times, you'll know that Jerusalem was the city that they were in. Judea was the region that they were in, the county. Samaria was the next county over. And then, of course, the ends of the earth, the uttermost parts of the earth. 
You see, the cool thing about fire is that when the fire of God comes into our life, it spreads. It shouldn't end with you, friend. Come on, it shouldn't end with you. It should start with you and find some other things to burn. Amen? He's, Jesus said, when you get the Holy Ghost, this is one of the ways you're going to know that the Spirit of God's coming to your life. Firstly, you're going to have power. How many of you are thankful for the power of God? Amen? That, that girl that was here at Hope and Healing, she's pretty thankful for it. Because when the power of God hit her, all her migraines went away. And she lives in peace now. That's what the power of God will do for you. And when the Holy Ghost comes in your life, come on, talk to me. When the Holy Ghost comes in your life, the first thing you get is power, supernatural power. The word power here is the word dunamis. We get our word dynamite from it. How many of you have ever been around a weak stick of dynamite? No. Anybody ever encountered a quiet firecracker? No. When you get around the power of God, it gets explosive. Amen? It'll explode into your life and drive cancer out of your body. It'll explode into your life and it will drive strife out of your marriage. It will explode into your life. It'll cause promotion to come. It'll cause good things, the Bible stuff that God promised to happen in your life. When the power of God shows up, God shows up with it. So he said, this is one of the ways you're going to know that you got the Spirit of God is you'll get power. The second thing, the second way you'll know is that you'll be my witnesses and it will spread. Because fire spreads. Amen? How many of you remember Smokey the Bear? Kids, don't play with matches. Don't play with matches. Why? Because forest fires get started with careless matches. And forest fires spread fast. My sister lives in Northern California. Over the winter when it was their dry season, they were, they were having all kinds of crazy wildfires. The end of the, in fall and winter of last year, she would call me and tell me, I'd say, are you okay? <laughs> people, people are, people's houses are burning down. Are you okay? So yeah, I'm good. We smell the smoke, but we don't see any fire near us. Okay, good. Those wildfires get to the place where they just can't be contained anymore. That's the beautiful thing about when the Holy Spirit shows up in your life. He can't be contained. The fire that's on you, after it consumes you and purges everything out of you and it begins to comfort you and it begins to comfort those around you, it's designed to spread from you and affect the community that you live in. Man, you missed a good place to say amen. Amen. See, y'all are quiet in here this morning. You do like me, don't you? You know that I'm trying to help you. Yeah. Amen. When the fire comes, it spreads. It can't be contained. Now, I looked up, and I'm closing. I promise you I'm closing. It's only 1130. Don't worry. You'll still beat the Baptists to the restaurant. <laughs> Amen. I looked up some facts about wildfire, and I got to where I wanted to do some cartwheels when I was doing this. Two things about wildfire. Wildfires are often caused by extended dry spells or drought. All right? You can drive by a park ranger station and they'll tell you that the risk of fire today is very high because we haven't had rain in two weeks or whatever. Be careful when you're lighting fires. Everything's crispy. It's crunchy. All the leaves are crunchy because it hadn't rained in a while. Do you know that when I read that statistic, the first thing that came into my mind, you know what the first thing was? Religion. The first thing I thought of. 
Why? Because religion, do you know what religion is? Religion is a form of godliness and no power. Religion is we have all these great traditions and we love our traditions more than we love Jesus. We don't worship, we don't worship Jesus anymore. We worship the church and we worship these traditions that we've made. That's what religion is. Do you know what it does? Makes you crunchy like dry leaves. Makes you dry. It sucks and saps the life of God out of you. And, and, and we go to church and we check it off our box and we say, praise God, I did my religious duty today. But then we go home with the same problems. And we go back to the same situation. And nothing in our life ever changes. And we get frustrated with God and we say, why aren't you doing what you're supposed to do in my life? That's what religion does. It makes us dry. But you know what? The driest places are the easiest places to start fires. The driest places are the places where the fire spreads quickly. You see, sometimes as good, charismatic people, we get afraid of religious institution, and we say, well, I don't want to offend anybody, so I'll tone it down when it comes to the Holy Spirit. But that's not what you need to do. You need to tone it up. Stoke the fire, make it hotter, and wait for some religious person to get caught. Amen. Wait for some religious person to get, to get drawn into the fire and they'll burn real fast, man. You know why? Because somebody who's dry and crunchy, all they want is a touch from God. They may not know it and they may resist it at first, but when God gets a hold of them, man, they burn quick. Amen. It spreads fast. Why do, you, why do you think our hope and healing nights are becoming so much bigger so fast? We've had hope and healing nights for like a year and couldn't fill this place up. And then all of a sudden, it seems like we're running out of space. And more and more people are coming. And they're saying, we love this. Can we do this again next Friday? Oh, man, it's so refreshing. You know how many times I've heard people say that about these, these revival hope and healing nights? They say, it's so refreshing to be in the presence of God again. Yeah, you better believe it is, you crunchy little thing. You, you've been dry for so long. And I say that in love. I'm not trying to be, you know, I'm just trying to be funny. I'm not trying, not trying to be mean. But people get so crunchy, man. They get so dry. But that's the place that the fire spreads fastest. Don't run away from religion. Run to it and turn the thing up and say, praise God. We need a move of the Spirit of God. Amen. Too many people in our culture and in our generation go to church and just have a mediocre theatrical experience. And they don't get the presence of God. And they say, it was so good. He preached for 28 minutes. And I got my little Reader's Digest sermon, and it was so nice. But you know what? I'm going to go home and fight with my spouse just as hard as we fought last week. And my kids are still on drugs, and we don't know what to do about it. Lights, camera, action, they make church appealing. But if there's no fire in it, nobody's getting delivered. Nobody's lives are getting changed. You can have 50,000 people in an arena. Doesn't mean God's there. I'll get off that soapbox, don't worry. Wildfires are often caused by extended dry spells or drought. Run to the dry place and light it up. Finally, a large wildfire is capable of modifying the local weather conditions, producing its own weather. There's a term, and I didn't write it down, but you can look it up on the National Forestry website if you should be so inclined. But there's a term for a wildfire when it gets 
to a certain size, it actually, they, they have a name for it. And when it gets to that certain size, it actually begins to manipulate the weather in that region. It will actually cause storms to happen. It will change the high and the low pressure in the atmosphere. And it will begin to move and shift clouds and storm patterns. And all this weather starts to happen because the, the fire itself produced some weather. Man, when I read that, I about did some laps in this congregation. Nobody was here. It was all quiet, and I was studying in there. And I about ran out here and did some laps. I was so excited. Do you know why? Because if the fire of the Holy Spirit happens, and it grows, and it spreads, and it spreads, and it does what the Bible says it's supposed to do, it will literally shift and turn the atmosphere in a region. It happens, and it's always happened all throughout history. You hear, you hear the stories of people talk about when revival went through a certain place, when, when, such, when such and such a church got baptized in the fire of God, and all of a sudden, things around began to change. The town, the city, the state began to change. Charles Finney, who was a turn-of-the-century uh, preacher and revivalist, used to send prayer people in about a month ahead. He would, go, he would be going to a place to do some services. And he'd send a team of prayer people in about a month ahead, and he would say, begin to pray. Begin to pray that the fire of God would fall. And these people would spend weeks praying and, and interceding for their community. And when Finney would show up, he'd preach by the end of the week, the place was ablaze with the glory of God. Do you know what happened? Prisons cleared out. Gang violence disappeared. I remember reading a testimony of vegetable crops growing more. Seriously, there's a story about a town in Argentina where the power of God fell so strong, crime disappeared. And there, all the, it was an agricultural community. All the crops began to grow bigger faster, better. They had, you know, 15-pound cabbages and carrots as long as your arm. I'm not kidding. You can go look it up on the internet. When God, when the glory of God manifests in a place, when the fire of God spreads, what happens is the whole environment shifts. And even, even those who are far from God begin to feel it. What would happen if God raised up a church in our community so, so passionate about him, so passionate about the lost, so desperate for a move of his spirit, that literally the jail cells just began to clear out. What if, what if violence just disappeared? Do you know that in Ash County is the highest rate of suicides in our state? Did you know the rate of suicide in Ash County is higher than it is in Mecklenburg County, where Charlotte is? Do you know there's only 18,000 people in Ash County, and they still have more suicides than Charlotte? That's an epidemic, folks. Do you realize that we have, in this five-county area, more meth labs than the rest of the East Coast? Do you realize we are just inundated inundated with things that the enemy has done to manipulate lives. What if the fire of God got so strong that that stuff had to stop? I'm all for practical stuff. Well, you want to help these people? Let's help them practically get free from drug addiction and stuff. What if the power of God did that in an instant instead of 12 weeks of classes? What if the power of God swept into a person's life so strong that they were immediately eradicated from, uh, from all uh, anxiety and depression and fear? 
What if all that junk was eradicated out of their life because they had just an encounter with the fire of God? It's happened. It can happen. It's possible. You and I can live in this reality every single day. You believe that? Let's stand up to our feet. Hallelujah. I went a little longer today than I normally do. I hope that that's okay with you. I'm I'm so hungry for Jesus, man. I'm so hungry for God. I want to pay whatever price has to be paid to walk in His glory. If it costs me some Netflix time, I'll pay it. If it costs me some distraction, I'll pay it. You see, we, we live a life so distracted, guys. We have so many options in our life. Anything you want to do, you can do it. Any show you want to watch, any website you want to look at, any conversation that you want to have, pretty much you can do it. We, we, have, we have so many options at our fingertips all the time. And that's not a bad thing. It's only a bad thing when it robs us of our relationship with Jesus. One of the greatest hindrances in our world and in our culture is apathy. It's a lack of passion for the things of God. When I, when I go to other countries and I travel to other cultures and I get to minister, I, I, I get to encounter people of such passion that I walk away from those experiences going, man, what am I doing? I want to encourage you this morning. I want to encourage you this morning. Make a commitment to God. Ask Him to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and in fire. Ask Him for more of His presence in your life. Say, Lord, I I want to be more passionate about you. I want to be more aware of you. I, I, I really love that idea of fire spreading from my life. Lord, can you make that happen in me? And and he may ask some things of you. He may ask you to put some certain relationships on hold. He may ask you to spend more time in the Bible. Spend more time in prayer. You know, as a pastor, I feel like I'm always, always, always harping on this. You need to spend more time in the Bible. You need to spend more time in prayer. I know sometimes it sounds like old hat, but it's really true. God, the reason I say that so much is because God challenges me with that all the time. Come deeper. The Holy Spirit would invite you, come deeper. Go farther. 
Man, if you spent 15 minutes praying yesterday, spend 20 today. Whatever you give to God, He'll fill it. Not my will, but thy will be done. It's one of the most powerful prayers in the New Testament. Jesus prayed it. He said, not my will. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. I want your power. I want your glory. I want your will more than I want my own. If God can call us out of distraction and out of apathy then he can do some things in our lives that will blow our minds. Oftentimes we get nervous and worried about whatever it will cost us. But I got news for you. The cost is nothing in comparison to the reward. I like to say it like this. The juice is always worth the squeeze. Amen. If you've ever had to squeeze your own fresh orange juice, it can be laborious sometimes. Take you eight oranges to get a half a cup. (laughs) But if it's good, it's worth it. It may cost you some, some time on social media. It may cost you some extra time in the Word. God may be drawing you to come deeper into His presence. And, and that may feel like a burden at the, at, at the offset, at the beginning. But friend, let me tell you, it's so worth it. When you go deeper into the presence of God, when you grow in your relationship with Him, I'm telling you, it's so worth it. You can be baptized in the Holy Spirit and in the fire of God. Father, we worship you. Come on, let's just lift up our hands to him and just let's just close with worship today. Jesus, we love you. We hope that this message inspired you and filled your heart with faith. If you would like to visit our church, check out www.highcountrychristian.com for service times and location information. Thanks again for listening to this audio presentation from High Country Christian Church, where Jesus loves you. We love you and your life counts.